Welcome to the Well and Balanced Podcast with Jessica and Tracy. This podcast is all about exploring the wellness practices that we love and diving into the wellness trends of today. We are obsessed with self-care in all forms, from face oils to yoga and Pilates, and from holding boundaries to learning about supplements. Our modern lives are busy, but we believe everyday wellness and balance are possible. So join us for candid conversations between two friends, kicking back, a little bit of fun, and hopefully a dose of inspiration. Hey guys, welcome to the Well and Balanced podcast. And I'm just hanging out here with my friend Tracy. Tracy, what's Hello. going on? How's your week? Yeah, the weekend. I mean, it's always really chaos. Uh, sorry, really chaotic around Halloween because uh, it's my we had my oldest son's birthday on Sunday. So big two parties for that. And then Halloween. And um, yeah, it was just a really crazy week. And we've been talking a bit, but I got in a car crash yesterday and I've never been in a car crash in my whole life. I know. So scary. Yeah. So it was just, I just slid out. I said the car was like a toboggan and I was really shaky. And we have our like retreat coming up this weekend that I had to drive up to Hemsedal. So I was quite anxious, but I think it's one of those things, like when you stand on the edge of a diving board for too long and don't jump, it builds. So today I just got in the car with nobody and I'm like, I've never been nervous driving the second I hit 16, I like, I got my learner's permit. I've been driving for a hundred years, got back in the car, feels amazing, got over the hump, but I was anxious for a little bit. Yeah. Well, and I mean, it's just terrifying and I've never been in a big car wreck, but that's my greatest fear actually. And I have hit a deer one time. That was really scary. Totaled the car, airbags went out. Yeah. So I feel bad for you. I feel really like I understand. Yeah. How you get really shaken up with that. And it sounds like Oslo was just a mess with that snowstorm. It was, it was a total mess. And I wasn't the only one. So it was all over the news. I felt a little bit better because I've been here. I'm Canadian. So I'm used to driving on snow and I had a little bit of pride about that because I'm, I drive everywhere. I'm North American, but um, got over the hump with that. What did you get up to? What's going on with you? Um, not much. Yeah, we did a little bit of Halloween stuff. And it's fun because Halloween's not as big of a deal here as it is in the US. Is it a big deal in Canada? Huge. I mean, it's okay. it's the biggest deal. And it reminds me of that. If you've seen the movie Mean Girls, it's 100% that. Yeah. It's just like lingerie with bunny ears. It's a complete shit fest. I mean, it's oh, yeah. just nuts. Yeah. Yeah. And so we haven't really done too much of like the Halloween stuff with Oliver yet. Um, but we did pumpkin carving and then we just handed out candy. And because we live in like a neighborhood with a lot of kids, it's really fun. And Ollie loved that. But it was funny. I hadn't realized this. So my husband and I are about to celebrate 10 years married, 12 years together. Oh, wow. And um, <laughs> he has never carved a pumpkin before in his entire life. Until last that's night hilarious. That's so. That's yeah. I I could see how that's. Uh, I mean, that's so strange for us, actually. Yeah. So I like had to show him how you do it, and it had never crossed my mind when you're young in a relationship. You're not usually carving a pumpkin. Like that's kind of more of a kids' activity. You're yeah. usually just dressing up and going to a party or something like that. And it just was so funny to me. Be like, oh yeah, you've. Why would you have carved a pumpkin before? So that was fun. He got out his power tools to do it. Oh, that's that's so Norwegian. I love it. <laughs> yeah, no, it ended up being really fun. I think all these things were like a good distraction. And, you know, I kind of treasure the time because this is my older son helped me carve the pumpkin for the first time because my arm got tired and nobody really wants to hang out with me. But he was a good sport. He's like, I'll carve it. And I'm kind of out of that time. Like, this is maybe the last time my older one's going to go trick-or-treating Nobody wanted to hang out with me. I had it all decorated, like fun snacks. They all just went into the basement to play video games. And I was like, okay, I need to get a life now. So <laughs> that's that's the plan. I'm working on uh, working on that a little bit more. But uh, I'm really excited about today's episode because 
We've talked about doing this a lot. And I think, you know, it's an apt time for it. So do you Mm -hmm. want to introduce us? Let's segue in. Yeah, let's get into into this week's episode. But I guess before we do, I just want to say one other thing, just kind of about like what's going on on my end of things. And it's so fun because you know this, but maybe not everybody listening does. This fall, I've really taken this time for myself and I'm not traveling to work. I'm teaching a little bit of yoga here in Hempstall and I'm in mommy mode and it's so much fun. And it's just fun to hear you say like for Halloween or some of these holidays, like you're so far ahead of the mommy journey for me that now your kids are kind of outgrowing some of it. And yeah. I'm just entering that phase where my kid is like getting excited. Like he can understand things now and he's like getting excited. And it's just so fun to kind of, to be in this stage of life for me right now. And, mm-hmm. and so I think that's what sort of really as you and I have had personal conversations, this is how today's episode and the theme of what we're going to talk about today really has been a center of conversations between you and I. And what we're talking about today is how do we set boundaries around things that, or how do we set the boundaries that can save our peace or protect our peace? And whatever peace means to you in your life, how can you keep that space and that time sacred for yourself? And so I'd love to hear, Tracy, like what what brings you peace or what is peace to you? And then we can talk about how we protect it. You know, it's so funny because I find it so changeable depending on what I need more of in that moment. So you know, over the summer, I had an extremely, really nourishing, peaceful time. I was with my kids the whole summer. We just went to the cabin. We were in nature. We went swimming every day. We had no plans. It was slow living. I did not put any expectations about projects or fun things we were going to do with the kids. We just kind of sat around and went for long walks. And I felt so grounded. I think that word's overused. But in this context, it it really applies. Very calm, very grounded, very peaceful. And then at the end of the summer, I was ready for like a little bit more energy, a little bit more busyness. But I think these conversations actually really started around, you actually have really good boundaries, and I have no boundaries. And I, I never even heard that word. I mean, especially around relationships. I always just thought I'm ride or die. If we're friends, I'll give you anything. Um, I'll give you my time, my money, my, all the energy you need. I'll do anything for you. And there is no, no. And that's being a really good friend. And I had to realize that there needs to be a balance with that. um, So you don't get resentful. And so there's not an imbalance in the relationship and putting so much of yourself into multiple, you know, I had a lot of friends, Uh, you know, even if I was, it was a new friendship, I would do the same thing. It really took away time from what really matters to me and family and, you know, a very core group of important people to me. I spread Mm -hmm. myself too thin and work trying to do everything. So I had no boundaries. I'm kind of a yes person to a lot of it. Yeah. Would you call yourself like a people pleaser? Yes. And I don't know, I, you know, I thought about that a lot with my kids. I think there's a birth order um, component to this. I think usually the oldest child's quite independent and used to entertaining themselves. Um, I was the youngest in my family. So I think I really like being around people. I hated being alone. Um, I love being social. I'm an extrovert. So in order to keep that going, I really could become a kind of chameleon. And I think that also doesn't, hold a boundary about what's authentic to myself, actually. Well, it's so interesting you say that because, you know, there's been so many studies done on birth order Mm -hmm. and I'm the oldest. I have one younger brother. And one of the other things you're right, I think they do say that the oldest kid is typically more independent, but the oldest kid typically feels more responsibility too to Mm -hmm. behave a certain way, to fall into line, uh, to set the example. And they often say the younger kids, kid or kids have more freedom because mm. the parents are tired or worn down from already parenting the first kids. And 
typically, I guess maybe the parents tend yeah to get more relaxed the more kids they have. And you have two kids. I only have one, so I can't speak to that. But like in terms of my experience in my life, I can absolutely see how I align with what a lot of the experts say about the birth order and my brother and what he, how he kind of fell into everything. And yeah, I can, I can see how all of that kind of makes sense about how we learn to navigate what we say yes to and what we say no to based on our childhood and not just childhood, but things as almost esoteric as birth order. And yet they're really actually important. Well, I have noticed actually our friendship and our relationship made me feel much more comfortable being honest and having boundaries with you because you have such strong boundaries that I felt safe to also have boundaries. Because most people... I mean, I mean, you can uh, speak on your own experience, but I found with you that you're very um, transparent about how you spend your time and what you want to put your energy into. Yeah, I think I've worked really, really hard on that, and it didn't come easy to me. I always used to say, and I think it also depends who we're talking about in terms of boundaries. And how we're holding boundaries, like how we hold boundaries with a romantic partner is different than Mm -hmm. with our family or with a friend. And right now you and I are talking about female friendships and Mm -hmm. I can definitely see in the past, I definitely have had a lot of good girl, people pleasing kind of behaviors. And I, for a long time operated under the motto you catch more more bees with honey than with vinegar. And so I always was trying to take the high road. I was always trying to be understanding. I was always trying to be compassionate and empathetic. And this spilled over into my work life as well, which is a whole nother animal because I got burned so many times in work situations by not having strong enough boundaries. And after a while, both in my personal life and in my work life, I was just like, this is too exhausting, too draining. And I always felt like I was the one who was ending up being damaged or hurt in some way. And Mm. the other person I was interacting with or other situation I was interacting with didn't even know that they were taking advantage of me or that they were doing something that wasn't maybe to the standard that I thought our friendship or relationship should be at. And so over time, I think I just got so fed up of having my peace stolen, having my energy stolen that I was like, okay, it stops now. Enough is enough. And I've done a lot of self-reflection on truly what's most important to me in my life and how do I divert my energy and focus into that. And if something doesn't fall into that category or fall into that box, then I literally put it out of sight and out of mind. And so I've worked very hard. It's been years and years of a process. And Age has to do with it. Becoming a mother has to do with it. And I mean, I appreciate what you're saying, though, that I am, I try to be very transparent. I try to be very communicative. And I think it matters if we're all just having these superficial relationships. And that's what I was going to touch on. Uh, That's what I was just thinking. It's not a real, I realized that it's not a real relationship if you don't know where you end and the other person begins. There's no respect there. Having a boundary is showing the other person that you have enough respect with them to be really honest about how you feel and the difficult things. And I realized if you really value a relationship, you will hold those boundaries and be honest with them because otherwise it's they're not really worth your time in interacting that way. So it's the opposite of what I thought. I thought having a boundary means you're not really giving it your all and you're not putting everything you have into a relationship. And then I realized it's the ones that have boundaries and that you do set those limits that it creates a wonderful space for that co-creation of a relationship. Right. Yeah. And sometimes you have to know when the relationship isn't worth pursuing anymore. It's... Mm. Friend breakups are just as devastating, I think, as romantic breakups. But if you are a person who is striving to move forward in your life and create 
more grounding and wellness in your life, then sometimes you just have to be like, this person does not fit into my picture and my vision for how I want my life to be. And having the courage to end a friendship or end a work situation or end a family uh, relationship, I think is very difficult, but sometimes really necessary. Have you ever had a friend breakup? Yeah, I've had, you know what? It's so funny because I was getting into these patterns and we've talked about this a lot in our kind of personal conversations, but my oldest friend and one of my closest friends, Elizabeth Day, who everyone should listen to her podcast. She's fantastic. She has this amazing podcast, How to Fail. It's very inspiring. She's a journalist and author, and I just absolutely love Elizabeth Day. She had written a book recently, and my friend said, you need to read this book. And I said, what's it called? And she goes, Friendaholic. And I, I, I just thought it was funny. She recommended it to me. And then I told all my other friends I was reading this book, and they all started laughing, like this yeah. knowing laugh immediately. And I thought, oh my God, this is how everybody perceives me. And I finally asked one of my closest friends here, I go, do you think I'm a friendaholic? And he goes, yeah, you binge and purge friends. You let everybody in. It's Or my other friend, it's like stray dog syndrome. I come home with a bunch of new people. And instead of taking my time with it, I used to do this in romantic relationships and I don't do this anymore. I mean, I met someone in Spain not wearing shoes and he moved to Canada after three days and we were planning our whole future. I won't even tell you what kind of disaster that was. That was 100 years ago. But I would just get very swept away in the feeling of the moment. And now I do it in female friendships without really knowing who these people are and making a big commitment with zero information. And I read that friendaholic book. And I think a lot of women will be able to relate to that because you want to feel community. You want to feel connection. And it's fun to hang out with people. I love being social. Um, But then it would implode because I would invest a lot of time and energy in people where the relationship wasn't really reciprocal, where I would be a container for them to talk about their feelings. And and maybe that was a bit of a protective mechanism that I like listening to other people's problems and I'm a fixer, so I don't have to deal with my own. I mean, we can psychoanalyze this forever. That's not what this podcast is about. (laughs) But um, yeah, I had to look at some of those. And in my, I never, I didn't do this very often in my youth, but as I get older, I'm realizing you have to do a life edit and it's like when you eat unhealthy food, it might feel great in the moment, but you're bloated and sick after. I would spend time with people and feel awful afterwards. Mm. And then I had to look at that. And my I'd be on the phone listening to them cry. My kids are sitting next to me waiting to spend time with me. And I'm putting energy into people that I don't really even know that well. I, I became like a therapist. And I just... Um, and yeah, I'm not going to talk too much about my husband because I want to respect his privacy, but he has been such a great teacher for me in a lot of ways because he's absolutely no nonsense. And he's like, what the fuck are you doing? And yeah. like in a, in a way that cut through, like not a mean way in a, in a way that how do you want to spend your time? And it woke me up and I thought, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah. Well, especially as women, right? We in general avoid conflict in general, we try to be nice to people. And I think we don't have, we're not generally taught the tools for effective communication in interpersonal relationships. And so we kind of, for a lot of our life, we're just like making it up as we go along. And then we fall into habits that are sort of dictated by our personality. And we don't know how to make ourselves feel better in relationships, we're talking about boundaries around relationships, unless we actually, first of all, observe our, our patterns like, oh, okay, how am I, how am I always showing up when I'm meeting new people or when I'm cultivating new friendships or even in our work relationships? And then second of all, is that the pattern I want to have or not? And and if not, how do you change that? Like it's very hard, I think, to consciously create new boundaries where once before you'd never had any. And I know for myself, I can say I'm at a point in my life where I don't have people, if we're talking on the personal side of things, I don't have anybody in my life that I don't want to be there. 
Mm. because I have done this edit over many, many, many years. And I will share one story though. I was going to ask you, I need your friend break. I can't even imagine you actually, I, cause you're quite careful. Yeah. So I'm very I, I can't even, I can't imagine you like I'm, I'm reckless, but you're very careful. So yeah. I can't imagine you having a friend breakup. So I'm I'm looking forward to hearing this one. Yeah, it's kind of old school, but I guess I will share two things. I've had two major friend fights mm. um, and they each lasted about a year, which was kind of crazy. One with a best friend, and this was many, many, many years ago. And this was me holding a boundary because she wasn't at the time really respecting respecting my time. And respecting the plans that we would make with each other. And now we're best friends. I mean, this was like 12 years ago, 11 years ago. We've way since made up. Just saw her in the US recently. And all is well. But um, that was a really hard lesson for me to be like, you know what? I'm going to stand my ground here. And then we finally hashed it out. And we were like, okay, here's what happened. We still really care about each other. We want to continue this friendship. Let's forgive each other and move on. And then I had another fight with my other best friend about, and I'm using the term fight loosely. Um, and this was also, it lasted about a year and it was, I mean, I guess we decided it was a misunderstanding. My feelings were hurt about something. Her feelings were hurt about something. And neither of us was really in the emotional place to be able to take on the load of what the other person was dealing with. Mm-hmm. So we both got our feelings hurt because we didn't feel heard. We're like, well, why can't she understand that I'm in a difficult place right now and I really need her support? And then I was feeling that way. And then my friend was feeling exactly the same way. Like I'm really struggling over here and I don't have Jessica's support. And so we kind of like had this crisscross of like, I'm not feeling supported, so I'm not going to support them back. And again, made up, worked it all out, best friends again, yeah. no problems there. And it was a really good learning curve because or learning process because when you really care about somebody, I think you can always find a way to forgive them. And also importantly, to forgive yourself when you've made a mistake or maybe you didn't show up 100%. as yourself. And I think it goes a long way apologizing to somebody and taking responsibility of like, Hey, you know what? I'm sorry. I did not show up in a good way or the way I wanted to. And I'll do better next time. Cause that's really all any of us want to hear. I a hundred percent. I think there's this whole culture of calling everyone a narcissist out there. And there has to be some people like we all need to admit that at some point we've also been assholes. Yeah, like totally. nobody's nobody's unblemished. Um, I've said and done things I deeply regret, and I've apologized for those things. And if you have a strong enough relationship, they will understand and forgive you. And if someone says, you know, I was having a really hard time, I've had a few friends recently said to me, I was having a really hard time. I wasn't my best self. I didn't show up in the way I wanted to for our friendship. And if someone can just have a look at themselves and say that I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, I think, you know, it's interesting when the last, maybe that's too specific. I don't even want to talk. Maybe I won't. Yeah. Cause I don't know who's listening to this, but it's so funny because you told me that there are, thank you for all the people who are listening because there is a lot of you and I'm a bit shocked by that. And I got a little bit of anxiety um, actually that's so many people were actually listening to this thing. So I'm going to be calm about it, but, but I'm getting in my stride, uh, feeling comfortable doing this, but yeah, I think what's important to look at with boundaries is if you've had a pattern with someone and you have to be really honest that this isn't working for you in the same way anymore, and they can't shift and respect how you want to change or how you want to change the relationship and you do bring those things up, if the relationship isn't strong enough, or they don't want you to have any boundaries, or respect the ones that you want to implement, then maybe that's not a relationship worth having. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's okay, too. And we do have different spheres. I know there's like a whole full, not philosophy, but um, I don't know what they call that in psychology, like all the systems that they have, or all the protocols, but they have like the circle, you're in the middle of the circle of your own circle. And then there's a circle around you. And that's oh, family like, system. 
Is it maybe? I don't know. And it's like the five people you're closest with are in your immediate circle. And Mm. then the circle outside of that is maybe the next 20 people that are, you know, somewhat in your sphere. And then the circle outside of that is like the 50 people you're. Yeah, I forget what that's called. Yeah. And there's a diagram of arrows going in and out from you through all intersecting all the circles. And so the people, of course, in your closest circle get the most from you. And then it kind of diffuses as it goes out and out and out. So I think it's important to recognize, too, that not everybody in your life is meant to play the same role. We have people who are going to be our closest, closest confidants. And then we have people that are going to be good friends that we get coffee with and, you know, have a great time with. Mm-hmm. But maybe they don't know our deepest, darkest secrets. And then we have people where it's like, hey, how's it going? Yeah, great to see you. And maybe more of our acquaintances. And then there's people that's like, eh, you know, I think they're familiar. I think I recognize their face, but maybe not. And that's okay. Like, we're not meant to share every part of ourselves with every person. And I think of that a lot. Like, what sphere? And people can move in and out of different spheres, too. Like, sometimes somebody's in the inner circle And then they kind of drift out into the outer circle or they're in the outer circle and you spend more time with them and get to know them and build this relationship and they move into the inner circle. And so everything's very fluid, but I think it always comes back to the question of how do you feel when you're with this person, this whatever specific 100%. How do you feel when you're with, absolutely feel with someone? And I think this whole process, and maybe this isn't as you get older, that you realize the time becomes extremely valuable. As we were talking at the beginning, I know my time is so limited with my kids in this really close way I am with them because I spend so much time with the kids and I did dedicate, uh, you know, I was home a lot with my children for the first kind of five to seven years of their life for various reasons. We can go into that. I I have really concentrated on being with my children and I know that is a privilege. So I'm going to, you know, put brackets around that. That's not a possibility for everybody um, to spend as much time as I did. And I really treasure that time and I realize how important it was now, but I realized that I can't show up for the most important people in my life. And that's my dearest friends Um, you know, I wasn't even seeing the people I love the most. It would go months before my closest friends here. I didn't see for two months who I, I really love. And they're like, you never have any time, this and that. And I realized I was expending so much energy in the wrong places. And if you want to be in that inner circle and I go deep with everybody, I mean, you know, people are like, uh, I, I'm pretty good at having people open up to me for some reason. I don't know why. Um, you're really like, honest. And I want to know what you see is what you get with you. A hundred percent. And I am super interested in other people. Like I do want to hear what's going on with them. I do want to hear their stories. I'm, I'm genuinely interested in their problems or in their, you know, successes or what's going on or if they're happy. Like I, I, I'm a kind of deeply, I'm so Scorpio in that way. I'm a very deeply feeling person and I'm either completely connected or, you know, you're dead to me. Like there's, there's no (laughs) middle ground, which I'm working on. I, but you want to concentrate your energy on the people that matter the most. And I think that makes a much more, it frees up a lot of time to cultivate your interest and focus on the things that really light you up and that you do make you feel really peaceful and calm. I mean, what are the things where do you want to spend your time really? Cause you, you're quite good with that. Yeah. I think it's been a big transformation for me just with when I moved to Norway and was moving my business here and I had to just work so much and I wanted to work so much. And we talked a little bit about this on another episode, but being a yoga teacher is so hard because there's no separation between your personal life and your work life, really. Like we work weird hours. Uh, our job is really about sharing and teaching and being available to our students and holding space for our students. And when I was teaching so much and traveling so much, the first few years I lived in Norway to work, um, I think there was definitely something had to give. And what ended up giving was a little bit of my my personal peace, my personal relationship to myself. Because I was constantly on the next train, on the next plane, going to the airport, taking a taxi, getting to the studio. Like, 
and that's great. I I liked that, but it caught up to me. And I've always been a deeply, I'm a Taurus. So I am a homebody. I am all about comfort. I am all about beauty. And I'm also very social too. Like I have to, I have to socialize. I enjoy socializing, but I would say more than anything, I enjoy my alone time and I enjoy Mm -hmm. being slow. I enjoy not being in a rush and which is hilarious because so much of my life has been about like, go, 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 go. And so for me now, over this period of kind of analyzing and reflecting about what is the thing that brings me the most peace? Like, where am I willing to draw the line in order to protect my peace? And it's about being home, at least in this season of my life. I want to be at home. I want to be with my son, with my husband, with my dog. I want time to, I guess, time. That's to me what peace is because that's the ultimate freedom is when you are able to dictate what you do with your time. And I felt like at least in the last 10, 12 years, my time hasn't been my own because I was hustling so hard in the yoga industry at the beginning to create my career. And then I started the Atman Yoga School and moved to a country where I basically had to start over with my career from zero. And now I'm like, okay, is reaching this quote unquote place as a yoga teacher, is that my goal anymore? No, it's not. My goal is to teach, to be part of a community, part of the yoga community, and then to have some more separation between my personal life and my work life. And to enjoy my number one motivation right now is to enjoy my personal life. Mm -hmm. And I know that might sound silly to people listening, but I've had to sacrifice quite a bit of that in while building my business. And so now it's like so simple, like cooking dinner for my family, um, taking the dog for a walk in the morning. We're getting ready for ski season. There's snow here in Hempstead. I can't wait to just like drop my kid off at Barnahog, head up to the mountains, ski for an hour or two, go home, work, clean the house, go to bed at 930. Like that's what I'm excited about. So yeah, it's kind of a different phase of life for me. But what do you think your biggest goal with protecting your pieces right now? Well, I would like to cultivate a deeper relationship with myself. I've never really had one. Yeah. I'm, I've really existed in relationship to other people. Uh, I get a lot of energy from that. I like to have a good time. So when the noise dies down and I have to be by myself before that used to be really panicky for me. Mm. Um, when I moved to London, you know, one of my closest friends lived there, but I didn't see her very much. I was in a master's program and I didn't know anyone. And, you know, London the first year was a little bit difficult. So then I just kind of gathered people and there's so many crazy stories from that. You know, I mean, I think I've told you a little bit about that, but I've always just stuffed my roster with people. And yeah. now I'm trying to be a little bit uncomfortable in those dead spaces. And, you know, I always did yoga or exercise, which I love to do, but I'm trying, I started breath work. I've meditated, but I'm trying to sit with myself for longer periods of time and just notice how I'm feeling, what comes up and just feel into that empty space. Mm. and see what that leads to. And a lot of the time, number one, I found it really leads into inspiration Mm. um, of things I want to do or ideas. And sometimes other things come up that I probably haven't dealt with. And I think that's important too. The last thing I've, I've been trying to, I think boundaries are really important and I want my kids to have boundaries with me. Yeah. I think we grew up at a time where with our parents and our families, you know, there's all this talk and all these books written about boundaries with friends and this and that, but nobody talks about you can have boundaries with your parents, with your family. I think it's actually really important and healthy. And I'm trying to model that a little bit. Like if I'm tired and I need a minute, I'm trying to communicate that to my kids and they're getting better at understanding I'll get back to you in in five minutes. I need to take off my shoes, clean this up, this and this, and then I can help you. So 
we give each other space. I knock on my older son's door. So he has privacy. And if he doesn't want, I tell him, do you want to do something? He says, "Mm, love you, but not really. And if he doesn't want to hang out with me, that's okay. And it's not going to hurt my feelings. Um, I just want to get to a really honest place with everybody around me in a respectful way, not in a hurtful way, but in a way where they can tell me hard things and I can tell them hard things and we're fine. Yeah, that's so amazing. It's because I think the more you practice setting boundaries and holding them, that's it becomes easier and easier and easier. And then you're just like, oh, I just have these boundaries. And the important part for me around boundaries is not apologizing for them. Just being like, this is the boundary and nothing more needs to be said about that. And I have this friend, actually the same friend that I had a breakup with or like a short breakup with many years ago. She, I talked to her this week actually. And one of the things I admire about her the most is her ability to hold boundaries. She is so, so I'm trying to think of the right word. She's like so honest. She's so upfront, like fearless in a way. And I'm talking now more about like in work situations where she's just like, oh yeah, I'll say that. Oh yeah. I'm no, I'm not going to do that job. Like what they're trying to pay me is ridiculous. Why would I even consider it? And just so like cut and dry, black and white. And she's like, why would I apologize for that? Like what they're trying to get me to do is ridiculous. I'm not going to do it. And I'm like, I would have responded to like a similar situation of like, oh, I'm really excited about the opportunity, but I'm not sure. Is there some wiggle room with the payment? Like I would approach it from such a soft way and she approaches it from such a hard way. And I actually am trying to really um, model that so that I get more comfortable. I don't know if you can hear my dog. She's sleeping. She's yeah. kind of like <laughs> in the background dreaming. Um And so I always think of her, she's like my spirit animal when it comes to holding boundaries in work situations. And I want to just kind of bring this up too, because even with, without going into too many details, there was a circumstance this spring that you and I were in together and we had a terrible experience and (laughs) we were really unsure of how to handle it. And we were just like, what do we do with this? Do we just suck it up and not say anything? Or do I was going to ghost, which I I do default to ghosting. Like if I really don't care that much, or I shouldn't say I don't care about you. If I don't feel like they have the bandwidth to respond to it in a rational way, like if they've already behaved so badly, yeah, I don't think there's anything worth saying because they, if you can act like that, that's how you are. So, but I think you took a much more, I was just not going to say anything and keep it moving. You took a much more mature approach. We can actually talk about that. Yeah. I have a thought on that after. Go ahead. I was so proud of ourselves because you and I were so, first of all, like shocked at how crazy everything happened. And we were just like, wait a minute, is this real life? Is this really happening? You kept saying it was Stockholm syndrome. And it was so funny because like, I can make it work. I mean, I kept a smile on my face and I could definitely fake it till I make it. And, but it was, it was awful. Like it was, it was just, it was shocking. Shocking, truly shocking. And that's why you and I were like, what do we do? What do we say? And I'm just going to say, you know, so we're not just talking in like these cloak and daggers. We went on a retreat together. It was just very shocking. Everything that unfolded on this retreat. And you and I spent a lot of time trying to decide how are we going to handle this? And I kept saying to you, I was like, you know what? We're adults. We're mothers. Like we have, we paid to be here. We have a right to, to say, like, this is totally messed up. But also we didn't want, we originally had a lot of respect and care for the people who planted. And we thought this will eventually harm their business. You actually, we're very good about this. And I did feel some kind of responsibility because I knew them. To be honest, so it doesn't cannibalize the rest of their businesses because you know, you don't want anyone to fail anyways. Right. And when you're in the wellness industry or the yoga industry, it's very, very small. 
And if you start publicly saying really nasty things about somebody's business, it could really hurt them. And so you and I, I think we're very, very careful to not come out hot, at least publicly, about this most insane experience we had. But behind the doors, you and I were like, we're like, okay, putting our big girl panties on. We're dealing with this like adults. And we did. We did to a point. Like I got, by the end, I got pushed. Um, Because yeah, the lack of accountability and responsibility and the false advertising. And the gaslighting. And the gaslighting. um, I, enough was enough because I'm, Listen, I can swallow almost anything. And I've had to for a lot of it. Like, I usually don't say anything. I've had a conversation. One of my friends is like, I'll take anything. And then on the last straw, I'm all done. Yeah. Burn those bridges down. Like, yeah, I was just like, it was like, uh, oh my God, what was that movie where she lights that ex's, the cheating ex's car on fire? It's like, you light a match and let it burn. Like, I'll go the whole way with you. And then on the last straw, it's just like, let's just, let's just burn this city down. Like it was, you know, nuts. Yeah. And the last thing I want to say about that is just, we didn't get the outcome we wanted. We didn't feel. I had no wait. I had. I had no expectations for the outcome. I knew we weren't going to get a good outcome. I knew they weren't going to do anything, or but I did not. I I did not think they would blame us for a bad experience. That's when I got really offended. I I knew we were going to get nothing out of it, um, because I and you know, the fact that they wanted us to throw more money at this situation to do a redo of a trip we did not want to go on. Um, You know, it's to spend more money to fix their problem. But I have to say, I knew we were going to get nothing out of it. But to blame us, I mean, or we didn't understand what it was. I've been on vacation before. I know what a good vacation is. That's it. Yeah. But I was so proud of ourselves. And it was it was a stretch for me. I'll be honest, to really hold the line and to, I don't want to use the word complain because it wasn't a complaint like, oh, I had a bad time. It was like, this was so messed up and you lied to us about what it was going to be. And we, both you and I were on the phone with them, which for me is a big stretch. Like you're more of a t- phone talker than I am. I'm Yeah, we talk writer. for a long time. You're a, you're a writer, yeah. And we both wrote emails. We both talked on the phone, like, and I was a calm, rational adult. And I was just like, you know what, Jessica, even if there's no outcome here, to me, that was such a good boost of confidence for myself of being like, you can have really hard conversations. You can stand up for yourself. And for me, actually, I think that's what a lot of boundaries is about, is kind of standing up for myself because I do feel like I personally have been taken advantage of a lot of times, usually in work situations in the yoga industry and where I've had to work for free against my will, where I didn't know I was working for free or I never got paid or um, something illegal was happening in the case of the studio I worked out at the, in the U S and, or yeah, during COVID I had a huge amount of money that was, uh, not returned to me that I felt should have been. And I was always too nice in those situations. I was always like, oh, okay, well, I don't want to rock the boat because I don't want to get a bad reputation in my industry for being a troublemaker or a problem maker. And now I'm just of the mindset of like, screw that. Yeah. It steals my peace because they don't care. They don't care about me. They don't care about any of it. And all I'm doing actually by shutting up is making their life so much easier because the problem just magically disappeared. And I'm just like, screw that. I'm an adult. My boundary is sticking up for myself and saying what I think is wrong. That's the one place we differ. I'm quite good at sticking up for myself. Like if I'm not in a really close relationship, if I'm in a close relationship with you, I can't do it. Like, you know, my oldest friends will be like, you never, you you can't be honest with us. Like I'll swallow anything. I find it really difficult. The closer I am to you, the harder it is for me to be really honest. If it's a professional relationship or if it's someone I don't know that well, and it's, it's literally a clean exchange of work. I'm upfront, no problem. And I will absolutely stand up for myself. And, you know, 
how am I going to say this? You're, I remember when we first met and there was, it was a, it was a work situation with someone else, one of the studios that we had both interacted with. And you said, Oh, I don't know. I worry what people are going to say about me. I don't care about that at all. Actually. Like I behave in a way, and I know you do too. And I know people do worry about that a little bit, but I do behave in a way that I'm comfortable with. So if people have a reaction to me being clear and direct and honest and standing up for myself and what I think is right, I can't control how they feel about that situation. I always try and act forthright and according to my own values and integrity. And people who know me know me and generally have positive things to say. And the people who react in a different way, that's on them. Um, and that's for them. I can't control that. So I'm the sticking up for myself, um, when I think it's valuable and worth it, I have no problem doing that. Having those kind of hard conversations. It's when I'm close to you, I really can't do it. Yeah. So we're like a flip-flop. Like I have boundaries. We are, but I think we learn from each other. Yeah. Yeah. And I think when I say, oh, I'm worried about what people think of me, it's not in that way of like, oh, I have low self-confidence and I'm like worried about what they're saying. No, it's, it's more, more professional reputation. It's professional reputation. And I am definitely getting away from this though too, because I've had to do, again, just like a lot of intense personal work on unraveling my like super tight intertwined relationship between my personal life and my and my uh, work life. But because I have a business that is based a lot on word of mouth. Mm. I always, always try to act with integrity. Like that's super important to me. And like you said, most people who know you or know me understand that and would never have like a weird, if somebody said some weird rumor about me, I wouldn't be worried about that at all. Like that's not what I'm worried about because I know it's not true. And I know anybody who knows me know it knows it wouldn't be true. It's more about related directly to my business. If yeah. if I'm the leader of my business, if I'm the what do you call that? The the front person, the face the face, front facing. I mean you are your brand. The face of a business. You are. Yeah. So I've always been concerned about keeping that image pretty clean. And I, I just mean, again, I'm talking professionally, like how I interact with the studios that I work with, how I interact with, um, other people that I'm, I'm directly colleagues with. And that's what has hurt me is because, and this has hurt me my whole career where I really had this naive attitude where people would screw me over and I would be like, Oh, they just don't know they're doing it. And then I would try and get to the bottom of it and be like, hey, did you understand like when we made this arrangement, this is what you said. Now you're backtracking and saying this is that agreement. And they were like, no, 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 you misunderstood me. I'm like, mm, yeah, I don't think so. And that's where I would kind of keep the peace and I would just swallow it up so that I could continue to have like a good working relationship with people. And now I'm just, I'm too far in the game. I've been doing it too long. It's happened too many times where I'm like, all right. I don't care about trying to protect a work image because just like you said, if you're within the range of like normal behavior and you're still yes. a decent person to work with, that's not a bad thing to hold a boundary and be like, no, we negotiated my salary at this. You haven't paid me this. Yeah. But I have to say it's in this industry. Like, you know, I, when, when I worked as a teacher, <laughs> I had a corporate job or when I worked for the NGO, there was none of this. So when I came into this industry, you know, people, I, you know, I remember it was a hard time or the studios are doing bad. They're trying to lowest, lower salary that you've signed a contract for. And I just said, no. And I said, you know, I do feel like you, yoga teachers should unionize. That's a whole other thing, but nobody's any, you know, most of the studios don't make any money. So you can't do that. I mean, it's hard to run a studio, especially with this low population and all these other things happening. But you know, in no other work environment can you treat people like this. So it was pretty easy for me to say, uh, when I was first starting out, I said nothing because I just wanted to get jobs and I wanted to get this started. And I, and I really do love this job. But as it went on, I said, you would, I would never, and I've worked in a lot of professional environments. You would never treat people like this. I mean, you, you just couldn't. It's 
so unprofessional. And that's, that's not the way I roll. Like, if you don't agree to the contracts we've signed, or you don't live up to that contract for whatever reason, I'm not going to work. And I've never, I got in that car crash, Jess, I, I, we started this with the car crash. 30 minutes later, I was in the studio teaching. I showed up for work when I couldn't walk. I always show up for work. But I think in a professional way, you want to keep it clean. And yeah. I do think the yoga industry needs to clean up the way. This is why I don't work for, um, I've worked for some great studios. I'm not going to throw everybody under the bus. There's some amazing studios. But I have to say, I don't want to be in an environment um, where it's unprofessional anymore. Yeah. That's not for me. Yeah. And I think there are some studios that are doing a great job and are acting ethically and are paying their teachers a good salary and paying them on time. Like, I don't want this to be all like doom and gloom. <laughs> like, oh yeah, my God. No, there's some that. great places to work. There are some great DM places. DM me. I'll let you know. I'll let you know what's good. Yeah. But it just reminded me, I wanted to share this story really quickly and then we probably need to wrap up here. But the most egregious, example. And it's still shocking to me. Like I was angry for years about this. And my dad actually is the one who talked me off the ledge. Cause I was like, I want to sue them. I want to file a claim. I want to blah, blah, blah. And my dad was like, is it worth your time and energy? They don't care, Jess move on. And I, at the time I was like, Oh, I know you're right, dad, but I just like, I can't, it's so offensive to me when people mm-hmm. are so um, damaging and, mm-hmm. and it's so funny. So the story is this, Uh, The studio I was working full-time at in the U.S. before I moved to Norway, I had just gone in and had my first cancer surgery. So they were moving. I remember um, this story. This is awful. Yeah, it's so wild. I'm just going to say, tell it quickly. Yeah, do it. It's a hot yoga studio. So we had a very specific temperature we had to set the control at and the humidity at for each type of class. And so my arm was in a cast and then I had a um, plastic bag around it because I didn't want the stitches to get any humidity and get any infection. And so I was just like you, I was still going in to teach. I just had yeah. this and um, I didn't, to be fair, I didn't know it was cancer yet, but it was the first surgery I had to remove what they thought was a cyst ended up being a tumor anyways. So I go in to teach and, and the owner's husband who was just crazy and creepy, he later got banned from all the properties. He would come to every class. He would take a shower in his clothes, long sleeve shirt, long sleeve pants or long pants, take a shower <laughs> before class. So he was sopping wet. And I want you to picture like a martial arts guy who's really into yoga. Ponytail? No ponytail. No. Okay. Actually. Okay. And so he would put his mat and he came to class every day. And so all the teachers hated having him in class. All the students started complaining, which is why he eventually got banned. But he would want it to be as hot as possible. And you never wanted to be next to him because you can imagine everybody's sweating in these hot classes, but you have a soaking wet, sweating man next to you. And he's going up and down, warrior two, to the floor, sweats flying everywhere. You're getting hit by this man's gross Oh my God, ricochet. And he would give all the teachers feedback after class. Oh. Well, you know, Jessica, you you really could be doing this in your class. And I'd be like, I'm sorry. Are you a certified yoga teacher? Are you my boss? Are you an employee? No, no, no. And we all just would roll our eyes. So anyways, the day that I was teaching this class, after my surgery, I, t- I set the temperature just a few degrees cooler and the, the humidity just a little bit down. And I knew I was going to teach a harder class that day to compensate for that quote unquote lack of heat. Mind you, still totally hot in this classroom or the studio. And he got up in the middle of my class, in the middle, I'm teaching. He got up in the middle, walked over to the heat panel, changed the temperature to make it hotter. I saw him do this. And I was just like, uh uh, this is my class. I'm in control, which to any teachers listening, you're in control of your classroom. You handle what's happening in there. Yeah, you create the experience. Yeah, it's you're in charge. And he went back to the mat. I went back to the heat panel, turned it back down. He saw me do that. He got up second time, turned the heat up. <laughs> second time. And I'm teaching the whole time, by the way, as this is going on. Oh, my and God. second time I went over, turned the heat up. He got so mad. He walked out the back door. And in the studio, the door, the back door opened to like a street. 
And then you could walk around to the front entrance of the studio. So he left the class, walked around to the front where my boss was working. And I was like, oh, I know what's happening. He's telling my boss on me. And I was so furious. I was like shaking while teaching this class. But, you know, you keep it moving. You're a professional when you're teaching. Yeah. And after class, I went to the front desk. My my boss is there. And, and she was like pretending nothing happened. Oh, how was class? I was like, oh, yeah, you know, it was really good. But um, I don't think your husband liked it very well. And she was like, oh, shocked. Oh, really? Like fake shock. I was like, yeah, you know, but I, I sent you an email last week that I was having surgery this week that I needed to be careful not to get my, inf- my stitches infected. Like I let you know, I was going to be putting the degrees down too for my class. And she was like, oh yeah, I must've seen that email, but I didn't remember. I was like, okay, well, I let you know, I have like this medical exception, but don't worry. They still got a great workout. And later that night, it was a Friday night and my last classes ever at the studio were going to be on the next Saturday morning because I was moving to Norway, uh, supposed to be moving to Norway. And, and I'd had these regular classes for a long time. So I had regulars and, and the classes were maxed out at like 40 people. And so these were like my yeah. goodbye classes. So people were coming to say goodbye and like bring little gifts and, you know, all that stuff. I got home that night. This that was a Friday night class. I got home, got a message, a text message from my boss being like, you know, I've thought about it. And since you really can't teach these hot classes, I'm going to have you teach a beginner class tomorrow morning at a random time. And I was like, what are you talking about? Um, I'm on the schedule for this primetime slot. It's my last class. Everybody's coming. Like, you can't do that. She's like, yeah, but, you know, I really have to keep the standard going at the studio. And (gasps) I just can't have you deciding to change the heat in the middle of class. And I was like, what is going on here? And I was like, to my boss, I was like, you know what? It doesn't make any sense for my last class to be some random beginner class with random students. Like my regulars, I'm a senior teacher at the studio. Like my regulars are coming and want to say goodbye. She's like, yeah, I just don't think that's a good idea. And so I was so shocked. And this was a case of me not not standing up for myself. I was so shocked. I didn't know what to do. I was like, And so I ended up going to teach this random class and not going to my regular class to say goodbye to my regular students. And it's so crazy and shocking. And then I found out like, you know, a few days later that it was in fact cancer. And I just was like, I got fired over text message because then she was like, yeah. And I think your last, I I was supposed to teach two classes that day. She's like, yeah, I think that beginner class will just be your last class. We'll just call it, call it the end of the day. I was like, okay, so I can't teach my class and I'm like basically being fired right now. And it was so crazy. And then she showed up to my class with like balloons and flowers. Oh, thank you so much for being part of the studio. And I was like, these are all random people in this class. They don't know who I am. They don't know who you are. They don't care. I was like, so uncomfortable and should have just been like, yeah. Anyways, long story, tried to make it short, but when this crazy stuff happens, I think we need to find a way to stand in our courage to be like, not okay. I'm not accepting this behavior, whether it's in our personal life or our professional. And I know how you feel about this instance, because you do bond with the people in the class. You see them every week for years. Like I left the studio that I love and you know, my regular students and they bring, they do, they bring you, it's like, it's almost like I used to be a school teacher. It's like at the end of the year, you get those gifts and you say goodbye to all the kids. It's the same thing with adults. You spend years in the same room with people on the same night. They become friends. You become friends with them. You have a, a whole little community and not being able to say a proper goodbye. And, and that, that's a horrible thing for any kind of teacher. Oh Yeah. It's heartbreaking because you know you're not going to see them again. Yeah, it really is. And it just, it was such a crappy ending to my years at that studio. And I was just like, one more instance of like, okay, we have to find the people in our life who have the same values that we do. Yes. That to me is the number one goal. Because if people have the same values as you, even if there's some misunderstanding or a disagreement, you can always find a way past it. However, if you don't have the same values, you're never going to be at it. You're never going to be able to find a meeting point. You won't. And I think also people will know what your meeting point is or won't even really know you if you don't have the courage 
to stand up for yourself, say where your boundaries are and be really honest. So I think there it's, it, it's, it's a win-win situation because honestly, it does weed out the people who you probably shouldn't be spending time with anyways. Yes. And spending your time unwisely. So maybe we can just draw a line of sand in the sand there and uh, wrap this party up. Yeah, I know today was a little longer. So thanks for sticking around, guys. We appreciate it. And please subscribe, like, leave a review, share with your friends, all that good stuff. And yeah, we'll just, we'll talk to you again next week. Tracy, anything else? Yeah, I just want to say thanks to all the people for listening. I thought there'd be two, three people. And um, yeah, we appreciate you being here with us. Yeah, very much. Absolutely. All right. Talk to you later, Tracy. Bye.